Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you today? Um, I am thrilled to be with you, except we're having trouble again. Oh, we got it. Okay. Um, We've been having trouble with the um, video portion, but we're on. This is terrific. Okay. Um, God bless you. And happy Ember Friday. It's a day of fasting. It's a day of thanking God for all that he's given us um, four times a year. We have the Ember Days on uh, four weeks of the year, uh, one for each season on Wednesday and Friday, and they are always fast days and second-class feasts, except today is still a first-class feast because we are in the octave of Pentecost. And we've been reading a a really um, wonderful, wonderful reading from Father Francis Weninger, um, from the 1800s on Pentecost, and I have it from um, uh, Regina Magazine, which I highly recommend. All of you subscribe. You can get it online if you wish or um, in the regular copy. It's outstanding. They follow the traditional calendar. So if you're um, wanting to be more educated on the Mass, on the on the Holy Days, uh, um, as they have always been lived out, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful site. Um, uh, Regina Magazine is a wonderful site, and their articles every Sunday uh, are just incredibly magnificent. Um, and they give us um, uh, the meaning of, of everything in great, great, great measure. So um, we are on the Feast of Pentecost from Sunday. This is a long article by Father Francis, and it's uh, Weninger, and I'm um, I'm just thrilled personally to be reading it. Uh, it's truly wonderful. And um, he went through the gifts, which we have gone through, of the Holy Spirit that were poured out on the Blessed Mother and the disciples waiting in the upper room, and one of which was the gift of languages, which was that the people from Jerusalem on Pentecost, um, uh, the people who gathered from all over in Jerusalem with diverse tongues, uh, languages all over, even though they were all Jews, they had different dialects, different languages all over the Mediterranean. They met in Jerusalem for this feast, which was mandatory mandatory for them, uh, the celebration of the birthday of Judaism, which would become the birthday of the church, their uh, feast of weeks, the harvest, uh, Sukkoth, uh, I should say, um, which was their wheat, wheat harvest called the Feast of Weeks, which is what Pentecost means in Greek, and Sukkot, uh, not Sukkot, it's a different feast, Shavuot, I'm sorry, Shavuot, um, the Feast of Weeks. Um, and they came to celebrate that, the rejoicing over the law that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai, gave the people through Moses, and um, they had to be in Jerusalem to celebrate it. And as they were celebrating the Feast of Jerusalem and their wheat harvest and the law 
in Jerusalem, God poured upon them the Holy Spirit, and what was the feast day of uh, Judaism became the feast day of the church, which is Judaism, fulfilled in its Messiah, spread to the four corners of the earth. And when Peter stood up, Acts chapter 2, and prayed and told them what it was all about and that they killed their own Messiah, um, they were cut to the heart, Acts chapter 2 says, and they said, what shall we do, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, just repent and be baptized for the remission of the sins, your sins, you and your family, Um, families, including the children. And the, the miracle is that everyone heard Peter and the apostles in their own language, in their own language. And so it was the miracle of languages that kind of reversed Babylon, the Tower of Babel, rather, um, not Babylon, but Babel, um, when in Acts chapter 11, the people thought there was nothing impossible for them, and they built a tower into the heavens, and so they would be greater than God, and not, they thought, and nothing would be impossible to them, uh, but God confused their languages, and they could no longer understand one another, and they had to disperse. And so um, the day of Pentecost with the gift of languages reversed that and brought people together so that at least when they listened to the apostles, they could hear in their own languages and be brought to their Messiah. Um, and so this article has gone through, we've been on it just about all week, and it's gone through all the gifts that God um, pours out on his people, and then he says, as the Holy Ghost seeks by the characteristic gifts which he imparts to confirm the good in all that is pure and holy, so does Satan endeavor through gifts of an entirely opposite nature, because they, the article earlier said he apes God, um, so gifts of an entirely opposite nature to confirm the bad in everything that is vile and wicked. Today, we will consider this diabolical confirmation and the seven gifts which strengthen those who receive it in everything bad. And a little prayer to our, to our Lady, O Mary, dearest of mothers, obtain for us grace to secure our salvation while God grants us time for the work. I speak in the most holy name of Jesus for the greater honor and glory of God. And then Father Weninger went through all the evils and the sinner falling into the depths of sin and the gifts of the Holy Ghost as contrasted with the gifts, um, the gifts, so to speak, of uh, or the dispositions of the soul um, that lead to salvation and how Satan strives to animate the soul with feelings, the very reverse, until prayer becomes so distasteful to man that at last he entirely neglects it. He doesn't even think of God, but like an irrational animal, goes through the world, caring only for the companionship of men as wicked as more so Woe to the wretch who lives in this total neglect of prayer, for he is confirmed by Satan in his service, probably forever. So those are, there's seven dispositions that we have read through, 
and you could go to Regina Magazine and get the article, reginamagazine.com, and just look under WIT, W-H-I-T, Sunday or the Day of Pentecost. You will bring this up yourself. Um, And we ended with the seventh disposition with which we'll begin today. The seventh disposition, by infusing which into the soul, the Holy Ghost would ensure its eternal salvation, the eternal salvation of the soul. The seventh disposition is a degree of divine love which impels us to love God above all and to embrace all mankind in a truly fraternal affection. It is that heavenly wisdom which is a pledge of final perseverance in the service of God. In direct opposition to this, the ruler of the kingdom of darkness, who is Satan, tries to instill into the heart of the sinner disgust and indifference to God, aversion and hate to his neighbor, or perhaps fills his whole being with a passion so vile that he commits sins of the most shameful kind. Alas, how many there are whom Satan thus confirms in his service, who chained in the thraldom of lust grow too weak to sever the bonds of some unchaste attachment. Yes, strange as it may seem, when we consider the weapons with which God has provided us in the combat with Satan, the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost, that diabolical spirit too often steps in with his seven vile gifts and with one or another so hardens man's heart that there is, we might almost say, no means of bringing him back. The enemies of Christ beheld him call Lazarus forth from the grave, and yet at the question, what shall we do? For this man worketh miracles. The answer came back, away with him, away with him, crucify him, crucify him. They watched him raise Lazarus from the dead. They watched him heal a blind man and make the paralytic walk. Hold on. Thus it is beloved in Christ, with sinners who, having received the seven gifts of the spirit of evil, have been confirmed in wickedness. They behold signs and wonders, and the Holy Ghost withholds not his divine inspirations, yet they harden their hearts and remain impenitent unto the end. This is frightening, beloved. Uh, I mentioned yesterday and another day how I was to um, a couple of confirmations this year, and it, it, it almost seems impossible that all of those young people truly believe. Uh, dressed immodestly with makeup and um, awful clothing and um, postures, and um, I'm not saying good posture is a sign of being saved, just their whole disposition, their attitudes, their speech, it was just awful. And it's very hard to believe that they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I think Satan rushed in there just as quickly. 
there's the music for our break, dear ones. We'll be back right after the break. And after the second break, we'll take your calls, your emails, and your texts. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Love listening to the Station of the Cross on your car radio, but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area? Never miss another minute of your favorite show. Download the iCatholic Radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day. The iCatholic Radio app is available for your phone in the Apple Store or for your Android phone in Google Play. Visit thestationofthecross.com for more information. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, We're going to continue with the article from Father Francis Wenninger from the 1800s on the day of Pentecost. It's so, so wonderful. I think you should all go to Regina Magazine, R-E-G-I-N-A, and um, download it it, and keep reading it. It's so good. It's wonderful instruction for the family. And the next section here is headed by a quote from Acts chapter 2, verse 3. And there appeared to them parted tongues as it were of fire. And Father Wenninger writes, Christ promised to send the Holy Ghost not only to the apostles, but to all who would believe in him, to dwell with them forever. And indeed, when on the great festival of Whit Sunday, which is Pentecost, he fulfilled this promise, and the divine spirit appeared in the form of parted tongues, as it were of fire. He rested not only on the heads of the apostles, but on all who were there assembled, among whom were many of the female sex, too. This should serve as an admonition that although the apostles 
were first and immediately chosen by Christ to announce the word of salvation over the whole earth, it is alike the duty and the privilege of every Catholic to contribute to the propagation of the kingdom of God on earth and to lead souls to Christ by teaching them the truths of faith if they are already members but cold or tepid children of the church, then it is the duty of every Christian to win them by word and example back to God. It is true that Christ entrusted the apostleship of preaching only to those divinely appointed, who through the sacrament of holy orders are ordained to be ministers of the altar, But there is also an apostleship of encouragement, of example, of prayer, and of desire, which all can frequently exercise. None should fail in this duty. Hold on, please. Can be fulfilled shall be the subject of the following words. O Mary, little prayer here, he always goes to Mary. O Mary, Queen of Apostles, who didst so richly merit that title, not indeed through preaching, but through zeal for the salvation of souls, obtain for us some portion of that zeal which burned in the hearts of the early Christians who received the Holy Ghost on this glorious day. I speak in the most holy name of Jesus for the greater honor and glory of God. In addition to the apostleship of preaching the word of God, my dear brethren, Father Francis writes, and the ministry of the priesthood in the sanctuary, there is still another, that of propagating the kingdom of Christ on earth. And to this we are all called by divine authority. In regard to the apostleship immediately connected with the sacrament of holy orders, It is most certain that no one can dare to preach the word of God to man except those divinely appointed and ordained priests of the Most High. We learn from the Acts, that is, preaching uh, officially and at the Mass. Excuse me. Um... Let me just see. Okay. Um, let me, let me comp- uh, uh, start that, that again. We learn from the Acts of the Apostles that they exercised the utmost care lest anyone not thus commissioned should preach. For the fir- in the first council they held at Jerusalem, they wrote, We have heard that there are some who trouble and disquiet you by their preaching, whom we have not sent, do not hear them. End quote. To us also, this admonition of the apostles is of great importance. For since the introduction of Protestantism, even the laity have taken it upon themselves to preach, and especially in America, it is frequently done. Indeed, this abuse has reached such a point that even women pretend to expound the sacred text this is usurping authority. Now he spoke, to, I'm, I'm a little uh, comment of my own here. 
Um, I can't speak with Father Weninger. He's not alive anymore. But he's speaking of holy orders. And my assumption here is he's speaking of the Holy Mass um, and only a preach, uh, only a priest. Uh, only those in holy orders, including a deacon, deacon and priest, can preach. No lay person. But there are ways and means entirely distinct from this by which the greatest good can be accomplished, and they are within the reach of all. To these ways belongs first the apostleship of instruction, of warning, of reproof, of consolation. A very essential obligation rests upon parents to exercise the above in regard to their children. Full of solicitude, they must from the very earliest years of their little ones, see that they are well and thoroughly instructed in matters of faith, both by word and example. They must never weary in their watchful care, but admonish when occasion requires those whom God has placed under their charge and place such books within their reach as will be of permanent benefit to the mind and heart Parents should esteem it not only a duty, but a pleasure to visit and encourage Catholic schools. Well, I'm going to break in here um, with uh, news yesterday on LifeSite News is where I read it. I get a subscription to LifeSite News. They are my number one source, and they're utterly, utterly outstanding. Um, and they had an article yesterday. You can get it today. Just go on to LifeSite News. They have three editions. One is the Catholic edition, but I think the other editions would have their, uh, this article. Also in England, a family of 10 children were um, invaded by the police, and six of the 10 were taken out of the house. Social workers did not think it was healthy for any parent to be raising 10 children. They took the six out of the house away from their Catholic schooling, and they gave them to an Algerian man and his wife, who were Muslims, who made the children memorize Muslim prayers, and the children are put in jail, in some kind of detention centers, and taken away from their families. Families can't even visit them. This is Twilight Zone. It, it's a movie that you would say it can't, it can't be in the 21st century. This is not in my lifetime. These are horror stories, but they are today. They're coming back. And children are being, by force, removed from the home. And out of the ten children, it was the six young ones that were removed. Unbelievable. You know, I'm not sure. It may have been the four older ones. I'm not sure now which ones. But they thought it was um, harmful to the children to be raised in a Christian home. And they had to memorize Muslim prayers and be raised by the state or whoever it would be. And, and the courts did not side with the parents. It's a frightening, frightening story. And as the children were in the car with these police, just ripped, literally ripped out of the arms of their mother, um, the little boys and the children talked about how the police were mocking, how they, how they succeeded in breaking into the bedroom and ripping the children from the parents, and, and they were laughing all the way. What an, what a, it, it's worse than a Frankenstein movie. 
And Father Francis goes on to say, what is particularly needed for America at the present day, now this is 1800s, beloved, 1800s. This is over 200 years ago. What is particularly needed for America at the present day, that's over 200 years ago, is a fundamental and thorough home training in all matters of faith. But the duty of parents has a still wider range. Here, the apostleship of the word has proved more effective than when it is announced from the pulpit, and it consists in advising the children to faithfully fulfill their duties as good Christians in whatever state of life they may be placed, and to live so as to attain perfection in this life and eternal happiness in heaven. Beloved, don't think what's happening in England can't reach here. It already has. Children have already been ripped from their homes here, ripped from their parents. It already has happened. Forced abortions in this country. It's, it's already here, beloved. If you don't take your children and homeschool them and make sure they're safe, again, if it's a good Catholic school and you know the teachers and you know what the children are be, being taught and it's safe, that's fine. But that doesn't yet excuse you as a parent from going over daily what they've learned in school and feeding it through the grid of their faith. Maybe the teacher taught it correctly, but the child misunderstood. It is you, the parent, who will be accountable before God for what the children know and learn and live. You you will not be able to stand before God and say, it's not my fault or I can't help it. I didn't know they were taught wrong at school. You must know that. And again, whether you know it or not, you are the accountable one for your children's faith and the nurturing, and the learning in the faith. Continuing with the article, should it nevertheless happen then children, that children or subjects do not correspond with the care bestowed upon them, that they become careless or indifferent, or indulge in some forbidden amusement or evil intercourse with wicked companions, thus exposing their souls to ruin, these suggestions will show parents the necessity of administering words alike of reproof and encouragement. Yes, and even punishment can be very effectively employed in this apostleship. All this refers to intercourse between relatives and friends, too. Conversation, that word is used uh, in a vile, well to, vile way today, all this refers to conversation, to interaction, to interrelation between relatives and friends, too. There may be among them those who have not heard a sermon for years, who willfully and of their own accord shun every opportunity of doing so, of speaking with priests, or seeking in any way to promote the interests of their souls. <clears throat> in such instances, the kindly offices of friends to supply the word of the priest become still more essential. On the last great day, beloved, when all hidden things shall be made manifest, it will be seen that through the apostleship of the spoken and written word, vast numbers of souls have been led to repentance and amendment of life and finally have been saved. 
or we need to stop there. I wish we didn't, but we do. And when we come back, dear ones, we'll take your calls, your emails, your texts. Our toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I discovered the Station on the Cross rather providentially a year ago. I've been a loyal listener ever since. I can't overestimate the value of the station when it's made a difference in my life in terms of making me better informed Catholic. It has enriched my faith and told me during tough times. It made me laugh on several occasions. I commend the important work of this great apostolate. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I listen to the radio. And if I can listen to something that brings me closer to God, closer to Jesus Christ, then it's the most beautiful thing. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. beloved this is mother miriam many of you are familiar with mother miriam live but i wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the station of the cross such as the catholic current father robert mcteague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m eastern you can listen anytime to the catholic current as a podcast on the iCatholic radio mobile app Podcasts of our network-produced shows are free for your listening pleasure at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are here. This is our half hour together, and you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your mind. There's so many subjects I'd like to talk about, but when I find something good, like the article we've been reading from Pentecost, especially since the majority of people have very little understanding of what Pentecost is, um, I, I I just find it a treasure and like us to continue in it. And we've also been going through the Catechism Explained by Father Francis Sparago. And we'll return to that next week as well. Um, and so um, we will take your calls. Our toll-free number is one 511 5483 or e text at that number or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. You can call or write in anonymously if you wish. It's not an issue. The heart of the matter, as I often say, 
is the matter of your heart. We have a text from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hi, Mother Miriam. Are Catholic parents obliged to have their baby boys circumcised? The answer is no. Um, Why do lots of parents still do it if we are no longer under Jewish law? That's right. Under Jewish law, circumcision was a sign of the covenant, and all males were uh, were required to be circumcised as infants, uh, just as our Lord Jesus was. It used to be a feast of the circumcision, and I think it still is. I think on January first, when the when the new order of the Mass um, uh, celebrates uh, Holy the uh, Mary the Holy Mother of God. I believe it's the Feast of Circumcision in the old calendar Um, um, because it is what brought the Jewish people into the covenant with God. And of course, baptism saves us, not circumcision any longer. Um, uh, Brings us into the covenant of the people of God. In the Old Testament, it was circumcision. In the New, it's baptism. So um, this one asks, why do lots of parents still do it if we're no longer under Jewish law? It's for medical reasons. Circumcision, apart from any religious idea, um, uh, has, uh, they have found out a number of health benefits. Um, It makes it easier to to wash and bathe, the decreased, I'm reading a little list here, risk of urinary tract infections, decreased risk of transmitted infections, um, prevention of penile problems, including a decreased risk of penile cancer and so forth. Cancer and so, forth. so it, it seems to be quite a health benefit, but it has nothing to do with um, a salvation or becoming part of the people. Um, the Jewish, the people who are Jewish and who are now fulfilled Jews as Catholics, um, they can still if they wish, circumcise their children um, as was given uh, to Abraham, but it is not for salvation. It is no longer salvific, so to speak. Um, the um, Okay, uh, we have a text from Jim who says, Good morning, Mother. I have a question. I will be legally divorced this month but was married in the Catholic Church. My soon-to-be former civil wife is still my wife in the church? As a question mark there, and the answer is yes. I have been separated for over three and a half years and have four kids and was physically and mentally abused by her. I am healing. You haven't said who the children are with, but um, you say, so my question is, am I allowed to be friends with another woman? Um, you're allowed, but I would suggest that you stay away from true dating and intimacy whatsoever uh, until you have an annulment, period. Without an annulment, you're still married, and if you're going to date, then you're, then you're entering into adultery. So, no way, no way. Uh, do not seek to date. Do not get into that situation uh, you're not. You cannot presume that you will get an annulment. And you're a married man. You may not date another woman. Absolutely not. The fact that you are married in the Catholic Church does not mean automatically that you could not get an annulment. 
you could apply for one and let the judge be, let the tribunal determine whether or not, based on the circumstances of your marriage and the, your, the psychological state of both of you and all of that, let the tribunal determine if it was a true marriage in God's eyes. If when one gets a degree of nullity, it does not break up a marriage. It is not Catholic divorce. A degree of nullity says the marriage is and always has been null and void from the beginning. That is, it never took place in the eyes of God because it was not a true marriage from the beginning. All the factors that were there to be a true marriage have not been. And so... Um, Jim goes on to ask, also, how can I learn more about celibacy and chastity to prevent me from uh, falling with impurity? Um, well, I would say um, you can just type in um, celibacy in the Catholic Church. You can type in Catholic views of chastity. Chastity is for everyone, married or not. Chastity is being faithful to your state of life, which means if you're married and living with your wife, you have eyes for no other woman. That's being chaste. Um, and if you're single and not married, um, or in your situation, Jim, um, you must not have eyes for anyone else. Uh, celibacy is simply to remain pure, as do priests, um, who live their vocation, as do religious who live their vocation. Um, Jesus said, some are made eunuchs for the kingdom. And so, um, if you truly do not qualify for an annulment, um, then you must live a celibate life, free from any sexual intimacy or self-pleasure in that way. You must. Um, and there are graces um, you can go to a bishop and ask to receive a vow of celibacy, which will give you greater graces to fight temptation. Um, and just know that God has brought you into a deep love with him to serve him the rest of your life and to be the best father you can be to those children, um, faithful. Uh, hopefully you're still seeing those four children. Um, and Jim says, I just want to be a saint. If you want to be a saint, dear Jim, then you will. And I'll let you know this, you are a saint at the moment because everyone baptized into Christ, even if they're a minute old, is a saint. The Apostle Paul writes to the saints in Rome, to, the, to the, those in Rome called as saints, to the saints in Philippi, all of that. A saint is not someone who's perfect or yet perfected. But it is someone who's set aside for God and holy. And you say, well, I'm not holy yet. You are holy. You are to be holy again is not to be perfect. It is to be set apart for God, striving for perfection. And so we are all saints. I, I've repeated this before, a statement my Protestant pastor said that I've always loved. He said, there's two people in the world, the saints and the ain'ts. And if we're baptized, we're a saint. We may be an awful saint. We may be an awful witness of a saint and shame on us. Um, because again, the greatest hindrance to Catholicism is not the doctrine, but it's Catholics who proclaim one thing and live another. It's disgraceful. So live as if it's true 
and be a saint. We have um, an email from Patricia who writes, Dear Mother, I recently lost my husband to COVID. I'm sorry, Patricia. And I'm devastated and lost. I'm so sorry. But it also, um, I had it also but got well. This was so unexpected. We were both good Catholics and raised our six children in the faith. Well, in that case, you should bless God that your husband is, if he's not in heaven, he's in purgatory on the way to God. You should bless God for that and that you'll see one another again. Patricia goes on to say, we chose not to be vaccinated, but now I am thinking, um, would he be alive now had he gotten it? You will never know the answer to that. And there are thousands who got it and died within three days. Thousands whom that vaccine killed, Patricia. You'll never know that. He was diabetic. He was doing well at first when all of a sudden he declined overnight. We were married 63 years. Wow. And he died two days after his 85th birthday, May 10th, born on Mother's Day. He was a devoted husband and father the best of the best. Can you give me some words of wisdom, please? Dearest Patricia, for most women to have a husband that reaches their 85th birthday is tremendous. To be married 63 years is almost unheard of today. You have been enormously blessed by God, and it would be in wisdom um, that you would thank God, Patricia. With the wisdom that the Holy Spirit has given you to know that God is all wise and would do nothing or allow nothing that is not perfect in his sight. Do not regret that um, um, that you didn't take the vaccination. Don't regret that. You did right in not taking it. Don't regret it. The fact that your husband was weak in condition with the diabetic and you both got COVID, you got over it, your husband didn't probably because his body was so compromised. Just bless God. Spend your days and your nights, Patricia, blessing God for the best of the best that he gave you, for the man that you had for 63 years, for the children that you've raised who hopefully are all practicing the faith. Um, uh Just spend all your days blessing God and talk to your husband because he can pray for you. Whether he's in purgatory or heaven, he can pray for you. And don't waste any time in regret because if he's in purgatory, which most of us will be on our way to heaven, he needs your prayers. He needs your gratitude for him. He needs your prayers to God and your thanksgiving to God. And you're asking God by your very life your holiness, your trust to um, um, to um, help him from purgatory into heaven. So pray for him. Pray for him. And again, uh, ask him to pray for you, which I don't think you have to ask. I think he's doing it. And if he's in heaven already, um, you have a saint in heaven. Uh, don't be sad, dear one. It's, it's a gift that we have loved so deeply and so long and can miss one another so very much without regret. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift that not very many people have. So spend your days and nights, dear one, thanking God and just longing for the day that the two of you will be together before God.
We have an email from Danielle who said, let me see now, Father James Altman said that wearing a mask, hold on now, Father James Altman said that wearing a mask at Mass is an abomination. Can you explain that? Can you give me some talking points? Well, I didn't hear Father James Altman say that it was an abomination. Um, I'd have to guess why he said that. That's not what I would say. Um, I would say it's a bit of a tragedy, but not an abomination. Um, There's the music for our break, Danielle. I will come back to your email and, and read the rest of it after the break. When we come back, dear ones, we'll have 10 to 15 minutes, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. This is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Some abortion supporters who don't like the statistics that African-American women have a higher abortion rate claim that abortions among non-blacks aren't being adequately reported. But this shows a lack of awareness of how the abortion industry operates. The statistics coming from the abortion industry show a better picture of how many abortions occur than statistics from the government. And they show the discrepancy among blacks. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. 
Mother Miriam Live, dear family. This is our last segment. We've got a good 10 minutes. I always say good because that stretches it to about 11 and a half um, for you to call in if you wish with anything on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Um, we began an email from Danielle that it's very important. Danielle says, um, Father James Altman said that wearing a mask at Mass is an abomination. Can you explain that? Can you give me some talking points? I don't know that I can, Danielle. Um, As I said, I think it is um, a tragedy, but I don't know that it's an abomination. Um, Father James Altman may be uh, speaking more emotionally, speaking about the, you know, putting the blame on those who have enforced mask wearing when it's not necessary or even healthy. Um, so I'm not sure, but it, it, masks should not be required. It's been physically proven, um, medically proven. They should not be worn, and it's proven even that they are dangerous and may be more dangerous to COVID um, than wearing them. In other words, um, than not wearing them. So masks, um, it's, it's a very confused situation and there are people who are using this as a kind of a power um, play uh, to overrule people. And that's, that's a real shame. And if there's an abomination, maybe that's the point of it. Um, Daniel says, additionally, when the church talks about obedience to the priests and hierarchy, how do we reconcile that with hierarchy who are out of line with the magisterium. I'm trying, she says, to explain and teach the concept of obedience to my 14-year-old autistic, high-functioning son. Do you have any advice? Thank you for your wonderful show, and may God bless and protect your platform. Sincerely, Danielle. Thank you, Danielle. This is a, a tremendously important question because the sheep all over the world are awfully confused, Um, tremendously confused. So at the break, um, uh, God says through Hosea, uh, I would, um, I prefer sacrifice, I prefer obedience to sacrifice. And he said that to uh, those who were disobedient and offering strange Uh, sacrifices at the altar and he says no i'm not interested in your offerings i want your obedience and obedience is always obedience to god through the authority he's given us it is obedience to god through the authority he's given us whether a parent priest whatever the situation i have an article in front of me um from um which i got from the ewtn a website uh, put on by uh, Zenit, Z-E-N-I-T, the news service, titled Obedience to a Priest. I'm going to read it really quickly. I probably won't get through the whole thing, but it's so important. And it's answered by Father Edward McNamara. He's professor of liturgy at the Regina Apostolorum Pontifical University. And so uh, several points here to obedience. Um, okay, let me let me read um, 
Well, let me, there's all sorts of obedience, and the question that comes in that he answers involves many of them, including not to pray the rosary before the Blessed Sacrament, which is, which is, is ridiculous. So let me just answer, read the answer. And Father McNamara says there are several questions here, several levels of obedience. First of all, both priest and faithful owe obedience to Christ and his church in matters of faith, morals, and liturgical discipline. Neither the priest nor the faithful are lords and masters of the liturgy, but must receive it as a gift through which, by actively and consciously participating, they enter in communion with Christ and the church and benefit from an increase of grace. This fundamental obedience of the assembly to Christ and the church is the basis for the other forms of mutual obedience with the assembly. In a way, the priest owes obedience to the faithful in that he has a solemn mission to lead them in prayer and worship according to the mind of the church. The mind of the church, that's the key here. And the faithful have a corresponding right and duty to pray and worship in communion with the universal church. This also leads to a proper understanding of the faithful's obedience to their pastors. They should be docile in accepting his guidance in all that touches on the mind of the church. Keep that in mind, beloved. It has to correspond with the mind of the church. The mind and heart of the church are the same thing. The mind of the church. Thus, with respect to the liturgy, the priest is called to direct the faithful in the church's liturgical worship. The faithful, in turn, have an obligation to obey him insofar as his direction corresponds to the church's mind as expressed in the liturgical books or in the dispositions of legitimate church authority. With respect to acts of private devotion, the priest as teacher is called to guide the faithful to a solid spiritual life. In this, he may sometimes be required to warn them against certain devotional practices that deviate from sound doctrine or that are prone to confuse his flock regarding the priority of the sacramental life. In some grave cases, the priest might even have to forbid the use of the church as a venue for public manifestations of problematic devotions. In carrying out these actions, he must always be guided by sound church doctrine and not his personal spiritual preferences. As said, the obedience of the faithful to the priest is in virtue of communion with the church, and consequently, they have no obligation, the people, the faithful, have no obligation to obey a priest who directs them to perform or omit acts contrary to church norms, because in doing so, he fails to fulfill his mission in leading in communion. The faithful are also free to practice any devotional exercise that is in conformity with sound doctrine and church norms. However, the faithful should always have a presumption in favor of the correctness of the priest's directives in liturgical or spiritual matters and should avoid the danger of allowing suspicion to reign in their spiritual lives. 
if they have a position, if they have a positive doubt regarding any specific issue, the initial attitude should always be one of charitable dialogue in search of mutual understanding. Certainly, and not only in the development world, so let me reread that. Let me reread that. <clears throat> Certainly, and not only in the developed world, the days are past when a priest was the exclusive source of doctrinal information. Today, most educated Catholics can find out for themselves what the church teaches or regulates on any topic. Um, okay. I think we need to uh, we need to end there, beloved. I'm only halfway through the article, and if you wish to look it up itself, it's ewtn.com/catholicism/library/obedience to a priest. My goodness, if you can remember all that, just type in ewtn plus obedience to a priest, and you'll probably get it. Oh, dear one, have a wonderful weekend. Do some fasting today on Ember Friday in um, Thanksgiving for all God has given you. Have a beautiful weekend, and we'll speak with you on Monday. God bless you.